Um, but in that, the interesting part was is that they were trying to trick Jesus. They were trying to trap him, if you will. And uh, uh, Jesus, of course, being a lot wiser than they were, uh, was able to handle the situation pretty well. came down to this, is, is the fact that, um, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because all of sin, all, all that Jesus did is he said, well, let the first one of you without sin be the one that will cast the stone. And he's just riding in the, in the dirt. And like I say, most scholars believe he was, you know, might have been going down the Ten Commandments. He was, you know, I, I, last week I did the, the uh, seven deadly sins. How many of you ever heard of that before? So I talked about the seven deadly sins and kind of how all those sins kind of lead to other sins. And, and that's why that list was made. But they were not meant to live from the list. We're not meant to live from the list. We're actually meant to live in a relationship. And through that relationship, it is the power of God that transforms and changes us into the likeness of Christ. It's never going to be an outward conformity. It has to be an inward transformation. Amen. And that, living out of that, obviously manifests and pours out of our life, the life of Christ into into other people's lives around us. Um, That being said, uh, I would say that in this story that I'm going to share today, um, it's, it's pretty much the same. What we see is we see this one person last week, one person, say one person, this woman that was brought before him, one person, and he changed her life. That story that we read did not just reflect that her life was changed, but it's a story that is told down through generations that become effective in changing the life of others, Amen. So if just one person is changed, the hope that other lives can be changed is, is a whole mo- lot more probable than if not. And so today, I've titled my sermon, Under Stories That Change the World, One Person at a Time. One Person at a Time. It's interesting, Jesus could be surrounded by a crowd, but yet focus on one person and out of impacting that one person's life, have a profound impact on everybody else that was around the story I'm about to read to you is a story just like that. It's in Luke 19, 1 through 10. This is the Living Bible. It says, as Jesus was passing through Jericho, a man named Zacchaeus, one of the most influential Jews in the Roman tax collecting business, and of course, a very rich man, tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowds. So he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree beside the road to watch from there. When Jjesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. He did what? He called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down, for I am going to be a guest in your house today. Zacchaeus hurriedly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the crowds were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. Anybody in here a notorious sinner? I'm sure that if we asked some of our family members, they would all validate that at one point in our life we were a notorious sinner. <laughs> uh, let me find my spot. Okay, a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, Sir, from now on I will give half my wealth to the poor. And if I find I have overcharged anyone on his taxes, I will penalize myself by giving him back four times as much. 
Jesus told him, this shows that salvation has come to this home today. This man was one of the lost sons of Abraham, and I, the Messiah, have come to search and to save such lost souls as his. Every single one of us, as I said last week, in the, in the story, Jesus is focusing on this one individual right now, but there's a lot of people watching. There's people grumbling, just like with the woman caught in the act of adultery. There were people grumbling about Jesus showing her grace, right? But when confronted with their own junk, right, with their own, uh, last week I talked about the fact that we've all been caught in the act. She was caught in the act, but we've all been caught in the act, right? And so here's the situation we see last week, and then this week we come, and here's Zacchaeus. And basically Zacchaeus, is cheat, he's cheating people. He's taking advantage of people. And just, just from Jesus focusing on him, calling him by name. We just sang that in the song that we were singing. He calls us by name. He sees you as an individual. Yes, corporately we can come together when we worship him, but make no mistake about it, you can be sitting in a crowd and hear the word of God and it's speaking directly to your own heart. You feel like you're the only one in the room that God is speaking to. You feel him calling you to come to him. Zacchaeus sensed that when Jesus looked up and he, he called out to Zacchaeus and told him to come down and said, I'm gonna go to your house. Now think about it. Everybody's grumbling. Man, he's a notorious sinner. Everybody else's attitude toward this person, this, this one individual, was that he's a notorious sinner. Jesus concludes that story with what? It's this reason that I came to the earth, to seek and save lost souls, just like Zacchaeus. Focused on that one, he shared the message, like last week we talked about, that it's all about the good news, isn't it? Jesus was saying to Zacchaeus, good news has come to your house today, Zacchaeus. It's all for you. I'm going to die on the cross, and it's all for you. Now, make no mistake about it. There was a point, if you have a relationship with Jesus, that you heard a message, you read a scripture, you were praying, something happened to where you knew that Jesus did it all for you. Can you say amen? It's important for people to know that Jesus is focused on us as individuals. If it had been for one person, Jesus still would have died on that cross. He died for the whole world, but if it had been for one, he still would have done it. We, we see that example in the Old Testament where Abraham reasons with God over Sodom and Gomorrah. And he goes back and forth, and he goes, but God, if there's just one righteous, would you still spare Sodom and Gomorrah? Yeah, if there was one righteous, I would. What we know is he didn't spare Sodom and Gomorrah. He did rescue Lot and his family, if you will, because they were, you know, Abraham's pleading with him, and and there's a warning that comes. And this is what's interesting about being uh, in, in, a, in a world that's full of sin. Is that God never leaves us without an invitation. I said that last week. Jesus is always inviting us to come with him. But he'll challenge us to live like him. He invited the, the woman caught in the act of adultery. And he said to her, neither do I condemn you. Right? The invitation to enter into life. And then what he says to her, he challenges her and says, now, go and sin no more. Go and live the way that I live, amen? I gave you three things last week that, that Jesus did for us, and that was that he settled our debt, that he satisfied our death, and that he secured our dominion. He settled our debt of sin. He satisfied death. Death no longer has a sting to a believer. Where your sin, if you will, where your sin has been paid for, 
You will not taste death, but rather death will be swallowed up by life. And as a result of that, he has given you the power of his Holy Spirit to walk in dominion in this life. That sin doesn't rule over you, you rule over sin. You confront sin in your life and you have power over it. Can you say amen? So today under this, what I want to do is I want to point back to last week that when I said the gospel is the good news. And, and oftentimes, if you think about it, where it comes to um, Jesus came into the world to save such souls that we just read in this passage. But not everybody focuses on it that way. Many people get, can get focused on the fact of sin, that everybody is a sinner. Yes, we're all sinners, right? But Jesus came to save us by his grace. And as a result of that, what we have to do, we have to work really hard at basically keeping the good news the good news. You know, we start to see the sin in a person's life and, and want to confront sin rather than wanting to share the good news of Jesus Christ, that, that he loves them and he came and died on the cross so that they can have life and life more abundantly, so that they don't have to live under the condemnation of their faults, their mistakes, their sins, but rather that they can have new life in Christ Jesus. Amen? Listen to what uh, Mark sixteen fifteen says. Then Jesus said to them, so wherever you go in the world, tell everyone the good news. Tell them the good news. Start, tell them about Jesus. Tell them stories like this, that Jesus came on the scene and people that they would have nothing to, they would have nothing to do with Zacchaeus because he was a notorious sinner. Let's say it this way. He was not righteous. Zacchaeus wasn't righteous. Was anybody else standing around that was condemning Zacchaeus? No. But Jesus was. And the most righteous man to ever live wanted to hang out with a notorious sinner. Where are we at in that? Do we keep the good news the good news? Or do we see a notorious sinner and think, I want to stay as far away from them as I can? And I say this, that the light that is in us ought to come as close as it can to the notorious sinner. Not to partake in the notorious sin, but to shed light in the midst of darkness so that person has a hope of seeing a way out. Can you say amen? To Timothy 4, 2 through 5 says, Preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. <clears throat> How many believe preaching is... Could you throw me more water? How many believe preaching is a pastor's job? Most of us do. Can I... Is it true? Give me an amen. Is it true? Most people think, well, a pastor preaches, but the rest of us, we listen. You know, America is considered to be, in, in, in many senses, the most Christian nation on the planet. Did you know that? From, from this, from, from the statistics of it, that we've sent more missionaries around the world than any other country that's ever existed. More funds have been spent to further the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world out of churches in America than any other place. Right? But here's what it comes down to. We become a post-Christian society. Meaning most people don't believe what the word... I believe in God. Well, let's translate that. What is that. Do you believe in the virgin birth? Well, I don't know if that could be real. If the virgin birth isn't real, none of it's real. Y'all with me here? If that's not true then none of it's true. Why? Because the way that Jesus came into this world, he who knew no sin, right, became sin. To do what? That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. 
So it, it does matter what we believe. It matters what uh, the foundational truths are that we hold on to. That Jesus came into the world to redeem mankind from sin. And that has to be preached. But how do you preach that and make it good news when it seems like such bad news? Sin brings about death. Let me say this. There's no sin that goes on in anybody's life that doesn't bring about some kind of discomfort, some kind of heartache for them. Anybody that's ever sinned, could you give me an amen on that? <laughs> I, moments I can look at in my past, if I, I got sucked into anger and being so angry at somebody that I'm wishing, you know, you know how that song goes, right? Uh, you know, praying for them. I pray your wheel flies off your car going 55 miles an hour down the road and those kind of prayers start coming out, right? You all know the song I'm talking I mean, I don't really know the song that well. I've heard people refer to it before. You know, my prayer for you is that your, your wheel will fly off your car at 55 miles an hour down, as you're going down the road. What I'm saying is, is that kind of anger, right? Uh, it, that doesn't do you any good. It makes your heart bitter. And when your heart becomes bitter, you're not too kind. You're not nice to be around. Come on now. Is anybody, you know, difficult to be around? Is anybody with somebody that's difficult to be around? A lot of giggling going on. <laughs> Elbowing like he's talking about you, honey. <clears throat> Work hard at keeping the good news the good news. It's not easy. There's a lot of negatives in this life, and they can really draw us to want to point out all the wrongs all you got to do is turn the news on man you got a, a huge list of all the wrongs that are going on right but we got to find a way to preach the good news in the midst of a whole lot of bad news going on in our world amen so uh, let's talk about uh, my second point here b how to change your world one person at a time in other words to keep the good news the good news don't be overwhelmed. There's so much that has to change. Just focus on one person at a time. Who's in your life that you can bring good news to? How to change your world one person at a time. Number one, become aware. Become aware. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. He's making his appeal to others through us. If we have a relationship with him, then, then out of that relationship comes an appeal to the people that we're around. And let me say this, just like Jesus. Jesus so knew how in a crowd to focus on one individual. And as a result, what did you see happening? Any individual he focused on, what happened? Their life was transformed. <clears throat> the second scripture there is 1 Corinthians 3.6. My work was to plant the seed in, in your hearts, and Apollo's work was to water it. But it was God, not we, who made the garden grow in your hearts. Our job is to simply speak God's word, to speak the good news into people's lives. Someone else might come along, and, and they speak good news into their life, and one of those things is, is putting a seed in the soil of, of that person's heart, and the next person is, is watering that seed God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, is the one that's going to cause the increase, basically. He's the one that's going to cause that to grow. I grew up on a farm, and I can tell you this. 
Not one time did we go out and plant a crop. When we planted the crop, we tilled the ground. The ground's pretty dry because you're planting, you plant in a drier season or whatever. Um, we would put the seed in the ground. Once the seed went in the ground, you want to know what you started to do? Pray for rain. You should, I mean, I guess you could try acre after acre to go out there with buckets and water it. Or You get what I'm saying. You need the rain to come. And, and basically, uh, that, that's something that I can tell you that, that all farmers, where they're going to the church and they're, God, please send the rain. Because <laughs> that crop will fail if it doesn't get rain on it. Does that make sense to you? But not one time did I go out there after we put the seed in the ground and go, come out of the ground, come out of the ground, come out of the ground. And, you know, like Jack and the Beanstalk or something. It didn't happen that way. There was process to it. And there's process to sharing the good news. Share the good news with that one person. When I say that one person, there may be many people. But you have moments where there's one person in front of you that there's a clear opportunity to speak God's word to. Somebody else is going to come along and they're going to speak God's word to them. One's going to sow, the other's going to water. And God will cause the increase in that person's life. Can you say amen? Many of you heard me talk about the angle scale before. The angle scale being that if, if I, so if I, this was a straight line down through here. Um, and on this end was a negative experience. Like they've never had a positive experience with God. That's why we talk about, uh, at Gateway, we talk about just helping people take their next step, no matter what that step is. If, I, if, I, if, if the one person that I'm speaking to right now is an atheist and they have a negative 10 experience, it's like, I want nothing to do with God. You're not going to convince me otherwise. Uh, I'm just like, God, just give me an opportunity. Many times with that person, you know, I find myself in, in, the, in the question phase, like, so why don't you believe in God? Because I'm an atheist. Well, don't you have to believe in something to be an atheist? Not really. It's like, well, how did everything come to be? Well, you know, there was this big bang. It's like, do you have absolute proof of everything in, quote, unquote, the big bang? You know what I'm saying? It's called the theory of evolution, is it not? Is, yes or no? Yeah, it's the theory of evolution. And so the moment I say, well, isn't it the theory of evolution? They're like, well, yeah, but, but, but it's, you know... I'm like, well, don't you have to believe that it's all true if it's a theory? Well, yeah. So this is the part about knowing and understanding your faith and what you believe and the, you know, the opposite of that, that a person that might be on the opposite spectrum of that, how can you have a conversation with them? Questions are a wonderful way. And I'll tell you this, that you're following your Savior when you do that. Because when those moments came for Jesus, did you ever notice when you read the stories about Jesus, he goes, well, let me ask you a question, basically. He gives them a question, and they're like, uh, make them think. See, that's sowing a seed. What is it sowing a seed of? So, so you do have faith, even though you say you don't have faith. You hear where I'm coming from? Negative 10, that person might be like, okay, well, yeah, I guess I could see that. Well, we're at a negative 9 now. Because before you didn't see it that way, and now you, you do. You see, you see where I'm coming from? So go negative nine, negative eight, on and on and on, over to zero, which we call that moment where a person comes to Christ, and then the positive one, the positive two, the positive three, positive four, on and on and on. Now, I did that to kind of give you the idea of the straight line in that process. People are taking steps in their life where relationship with God is concerned because you either are accepting relationship with God or you're rejecting relationship with God, amen? But I believe... It's not in our power to do it. We share the good news, 
The Bible says the Holy Spirit is the one that draws people to the Father. No man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. How do they get to the Father? They cannot come to the Father unless they come through the Son. they got to come to Jesus at some point to get to the Father. But it is the Holy Spirit that's come to speak of the Son. The Son came to speak of the Father. Amen? It's just a little theology for you. So let me give you some of the phases of that. I'm going to start with a negative six. Let's just do it this way. Negative six. So that's your, your first one there. Resistant. Resistant. You encounter that one person and, and, and what you see from them is a resist. Did all of them come up? They were supposed to go one at a time. It did on my presentation. So let me do this really quick then. Resistant, receptive, seeking, considering, understanding, ready, uh, new life in Christ, belonging, growing, serving, sharing. And then I'll talk about them all a little bit, but at least it's not weird to have them up there that way. I did my presentation this morning and I had to hit the button once for each one, so I don't know. So again, resistant, I think we get that. Receptive, that all of a sudden, like I say, you, in that conversation, like, yeah, I guess I could see that. All of a sudden, there's a little bit of receptiveness. Seeking. Now, here, here's, I'll share this with you that, that I can think of many times, and I use an atheist because that, that might be the most extreme that we would think somebody would be, is that they have no belief in God, don't want any belief in God. You know, it's a whole lot different than talking to somebody that's a little open to talking about God. Can you give me an amen on that? And so, so I look at those moments when I've had those conversations and I see that person. And, and it gets to the point to where all of a sudden they go home because it made them think about it. And here's the deal. All I did was sow the seed and I let God work on bringing the increase. And then that, what happens is that person all of a sudden when we think seeking, what happens is they come, well, let me ask you this question. And they'll ask me a question. If that's the case, then how dot, 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 dot. And, and, of course, that's the, why it's so important. I hope you're finding you're 15 this year and you're spending time in the Word. Why? Because you need the Word of God in you. So when a person asks a question concerning God, that you've got the Holy Spirit can call to remembrance for you what you read in Scripture about that specific situation or that specific question. There are answers in the Bible for anything mankind might ever ask. I want you to know that. A lot of people say, well, I don't think so. Have you read the Bible? This is what's funny about that. I'll be in a conversation with someone like that. I'll be like, well, have you ever read the whole Bible? Well, no, but I can't imagine that that one book would have answers for anything that mankind would ever deal with. Right. It's still the number one read book in the world, right? Record holding. No other book compares to the Bible. And the thing is, is if a person spends enough time in it, uh, they start to understand why it says that your word is alive it's sharper more powerful than any two-edged sword dividing asunder separating joints from marrow uh, 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 soul from body spirit from body that basically there's this it's almost like an out-of-body experience when you're reading the word sometimes you're looking at it and you're like oh my god that's me <laughs> and then and then you you go on and you're like oh my gosh that's the lord trying to work it, it the spirit of god moving on his word the spirit and the word agree. And when the spirit of God moves on his word, it comes alive in you. And when the word of God comes alive in you, it creates life in you. Faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you're reading the word of God, you're listening to the word of God, all of a sudden faith starts to rise in your heart and you believe something you didn't believe before. 
And then as a result of believing, as a result of having faith, be it unto you according to your faith. But something happens that never happened before. Why? Because you have faith that you didn't have before for something different. So that seeking, of course, considering that, that not only am I seeking, okay, I asked this question, but then I'm considering what was said. And, and, and then that negative too, under, okay, I, I think I understand that, and it brings us to, I think I'm ready. Think about the moment when I gave my heart to Jesus. I heard the gospel. I mean, I had all these questions, and, and so much was stirring around, and I'm considering it, and I get to that place, okay, I, I think I understand this. Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I... You're saying that I don't, like, I have to go get cleaned up so Jesus could accept me. But you're saying I actually don't have to go get cleaned up. Jesus is the one that's going to clean me up. And I start to understand and see it much different than I saw it. And, and here's the thing. Spiritual things. The Bible says that, that spiritual things are not carnally discerned. That's the part of your, you being awakened in your spirit. That, that God's spirit gives you the ability, that faith that rises. And all of a sudden you see it, Right? And you never saw, you saw it, but you didn't see it. We get that old hymn, right? I once was blind, but now I see. When talking about physical blindness, he was talking about spiritual blindness. I was blind, but the moment I got a revelation from God, all of a sudden I could see and I understood exactly what Jesus did for me. And as a result of that, what happens is I'm ready. I'm ready. And at that moment where you're ready, comes new life in Christ. Let me say this. It's not just I got saved new life in Christ. It's I get to find freedom in all areas of my life, new life in Christ. I came to Christ, and I didn't come to him to remain the way that I am. I came to him so that he could transform and change me to be like him. And that means that I'm finding new life each and every day of my life. I'm finding and discovering new things about Jesus every time I open the word of God, every time I have a conversation with another believer, I'm just going another step. I'm just going, taking another step, taking another step. Does that make sense? Anybody that's married understands. You might have got saved, but marriage will bring the worst things out of you. But over 28 years, the growth of, of God working in my marriage with my wife and I, and both of us taking that step, taking that step. Look. Here's what it comes down to. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Angie's the closest neighbor. There's nobody else in this room that I've spent as much time with as I have Angie. And as a result of that, she can irritate me. Amen. And I can irritate her. <laughs> Come on now. Some of you in here are contemplating possibly getting married sometime in the future. Boyfriends and girlfriends, right? Let me tell you. Make sure you weigh the cost. <laughs> That's going to be your closest neighbor. You know, Twitter patient only lasts so long. Commitment will last a lifetime. You understand the difference between the two. Man, I'm in love. Good. That'll wear off just a little bit. You better know how to love. See, being in love and loving are two different things. One of them... Uh, spin from the infatuation and the attraction and all those things are great. Even though, baby, I am attracted to you. I just want you to know that. And the older she gets, the better it is. It, I'm not lying to you. Why? Because we know each other. We understand each other. You know? I can finish her sentences and she can finish mine. Sometimes I finish hers too quick and that's not what she meant. <laughs> and then I learn I need to... Be patient. 
I need to take another step, right? All those things play in. But I can tell you that, that even in our disagreements, at least, I, I, you know, this was not my plan. I think there's couples in here that need to hear this. Even in our disagreements, we have fun, don't we? Do we have fun in our disagreements? Yes, we'll fight. Do we ever take our love back? Never do we take our love back. And because we don't take our love back, we can keep our sense of humor. And I have to have a big one where it comes to Angie. (laughs) It's all right, man. We'll go home and I'll make lunch for her or something. I've heard it said so many times from different, uh, you know, from marriage counseling. I say it all the time. Husbands, remember, you're only one clean house away from getting out of the doghouse. So it means you clean the house for your wife. Do the laundry, do the dishes, that kind of thing. You won't be in the doghouse anymore. All right, let me jump. Let's get moving here. Number two, commit to prayer. Commit to prayer. You want to change the world one person at a time, commit to prayer one Pray that the Father would draw them to Jesus. Two, pray against the spirit that blinds their minds. You see the scripture references next to them. Pray that they come to know God relationally. Not out of rules, but out of a relationship. Pray that believers will cross their paths and enter into positive relationships with them. In other words, Paul sowed the seed, Apollos watered, God brought the increase. Pray for a revelation of who Jesus is and what he has done for them. Pray for them to, look, Jesus said to Peter, who do men say that I am? Some say you're uh, Isaiah. Some say John the Baptist come back from the dead. Who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon, right? Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah, For flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. Flesh and blood didn't give you a revelation of this. But my Father which is in heaven is the one that gave you a revelation of who I am. Pray for them to have a revelation that is given to them by the Father. Number three, show you care. Don't just say you care, show you care. Translated, it takes time to show you care. I care. But when the need arises, give the time to show you care. Amen? 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23 says, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel. That's the good news that I may share in its blessings. Amen. And number four, be ready to share. Be ready to share. 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. There's a reason why we have hope that others don't understand. It come, it's divine hope. It doesn't come from our own doing. It comes from the power of God's spirit in us, giving us an affirmation that, that though we might be going through, through hard times, we may suffer loss. Those things might be going on. The reality is, is that we do, not, we do not mourn. We don't suffer the same way the world suffers. We go through those things with a greater hope. We know this. This is but for a, a short time, but eternal life, 
who can really comprehend eternal life. It just goes on and on and on. I don't have the ability to fully comprehend eternal life. But what I do know is no matter what situation I face in this life, it's temporary. It's short. I'm living for the life to come in this life now. I'm not living this life now and, and in a sense uh, uh, denying myself what the life to come has to offer. Amen? And then Acts uh, 20 and 24 says, The most important thing is that I complete my mission, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me, to tell people the good news about God's grace. That was Paul's mission. Uh, there's a lot of things we do. Love our wives, love our, you know, love our, our, our spouse, if you will, love our, our kids, love our family. Uh, go to work, you know, be faithful to do the things that we've committed to do. On and on, there's a lot of things that we have to do, but the mission that Christ has given us, the Great Commission, to go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey, always commanded to, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, making disciples, helping people to come into a relationship with Jesus and be like Jesus. That, that's our greatest mission. My prayer for us is that, that we would all fulfill it. So I want to challenge you in this moment on your sheet. Who's on your path? Who is on your path? You, I've got three there, and only, only to say uh, you could do as many as you want. I'm saying that if you could say right now, right where you sit, there's pins in the back of the seats, and I'm challenging you to do this right now. Who do you know that's on your path? And if you don't, that's fine. But, but the intent would be that you leave here today and you're like, God, show me who's on my path. Because if, if, if I'm not aware... If I don't become aware, then I'll never have the hope that I'm going to be able to share the good news with them. I need to be aware of the people that you're putting in my path to, to speak the word of God to. And so just take a moment there and, and write in a name or two if you've got them. If you don't, take this home with you. Put it on your refrigerator, wherever you, you know, where your devotionals are, wherever you're at. And it's like, I, I want to fill at least three names in there. And then once you've done that, I challenge you. What is the need you can pray for? They're on your path. You recognize they're on your path, but what is the need in their life? Salvation, yes, but what's the thing that's, that's going to give you that connection to minister to the issues of their life? Remember, the Bible says Jesus ministered to the issues of people's lives. Discover the issues. Find a way to minister to them. Serve them in that. And, and you won't, I'm telling you, it'll be shocking how quick they're open to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then how can you care for them? In the midst of a need that's revealed, how can you care for them? Sometimes people can't do everything that's needed. That's why the body of Christ is here. You know, there's nothing I love more than when somebody, it's like, you know, I have this friend and, and I'd like to, to help them. I know we're in a life group, but I'm gonna embarrass you a little bit, John. Uh, we started, had a new life group going on uh, one night John just drops in the life group he says you know there's this gal and I know her and she's going through a rough time and she doesn't have just the basic necessities in life groceries and basic necessities and I just looked around the room like you know would we all be willing to, to kind of help with that and so we put a care package she lives in Fort Collins right uh, Denver Denver we put a care package together and uh, you ran it up to her and, and gave her that and it, it ministered to her heart in a big way didn't it where she had some questions going on about, does God care about me? Yep. Questions. 
And all of a sudden, you know, she's blessed. And we wouldn't have known that if he didn't share the need. And the reality is, is he couldn't meet the whole need. But together, we were able to, as a life group, meet a need for someone. It's like, but they don't go to church here. That's not who I'm talking about. One person at a time. And all I know is it made an impact on her that softened her heart. She's like, okay, God hasn't forgotten me. How important is that for each and every one of us to know that God hasn't forgotten us? Let me say there are a lot of people out there they don't, even, they don't even know that when God gave his son to die on the cross, they were the one that he was thinking about. Well, he's thinking about the whole world, yeah? He was thinking about the whole world, but he was thinking about you as an individual. How do I know that? Hold your finger up. Hold it up. One. You leave with this today out of everything I've said. You have a fingerprint that's looking like anybody else in here. It's unique. Now take that one finger and I want you to just point up here your eye. You know your retina is not like anybody else's in here. You have distinguishing factors to who you are. Even now they've come out with, you know, facial recognition, right? Uh, that computers can actually capture the features of your face and there's nobody else in this world. You might look kind of like somebody else, but they're not like you. You're unique. And I say that when we approach people and we see one person at a time and we share the gospel with them and all their uniqueness God has a way to reach to their heart and draw him unto himself can you say amen let me pray for you and then Zach's got a short announcement for our parents Father I thank you for your word and Lord I, I am so grateful when I think about John 3:16, we all <laughs> we we love that scripture and, and for great reason that, that, Lord, you weren't willing that any should perish but all come to everlasting life. Father, we know that if it would have been just one, you still would have sent your son to die for them that they might be restored, Father, to you. So, Father, I pray for your people this morning that each and every one of us would realize the unique relationship that you want with us. Lord, as individuals, as your as individual children, when I think of the three kids that I had, how different they were. Shocking that they came from the same mom and dad, but they were so different. And my approach to each one of them had to be a little bit different. There were generalities, but there was such a uniqueness to raising each one of those children. And Father, it is no different. You take that time, Lord God, by your power to reach out to us as individuals. God, when you touch our heart, there's no question that, that, Lord, we're taken by you. We're drawn into that relationship. We want more of it. We want more of that individual, unique interaction that, Father, we have.